Welcome to HivriaCast, the podcast where I, Alad Nehrai, speak with some fascinating and incredible creative Jews. Welcome to episode, I don't even know anymore because I have so many recorded, so it's an episode of HivriaCast. Um, I'm so excited we have Leah Gottfried with us, who is the creator of Soon by You. Yes. I don't know, I was going to say Soon by Us, it's Soon <laughs> <No>. by You. <laughs> Soon by you. Soon by you. And which has been like phenomenal success and incredible. Like it was this is this your directing debut? And um it's not my directing debut, but it's kind of like my first personal passion oh, project. See. Yeah. Very cool. Wow. I I mean, I imagine most people have heard of it, but maybe you want to like tell us a little bit what it's sure. about. Sort of thing. Absolutely. Um so Soon by You is a web series. You can find it on YouTube. And it's about a group of young Orthodox Jews dating in New York City and about their relationships and drama, but also more than that about, you know, we dabble in like work-life balance, um, different issues that arise, just being an Orthodox young Jewish person. Mm. So a lot of people have compared it to Friends or Srugim. It's kind of along that same vein. Um, It's a comedy. It's very fun. Six lead characters. Uh, I actually play one of the one of the lead characters, yeah. and yeah, it's just a really fun slice of the Orthodox life. I love it. I mean, it's so much fun to watch because it, it was so. You know, I was thinking about, I was like I was mentioning to you earlier. I was like rewatching um, like episode three today, and I think it was the scene in the shul mm, yeah. where it was like the I had this like sudden feeling of like. Oh my gosh, this is like my life in, you know, wow. like, like, cause I'm, you know, I watch Netflix all the time and that sort of stuff. And, um, obviously I love it and I kind of can identify with that since I grew up like not religious, but mm. at the same time, like, I don't think I've ever watched something I so strongly felt like represented even in my life, even though I'm not like completely in that particular world. I just, I don't know. I was really struck by that. Oh, I love that. That's exactly why I make the show. Um, I mean, that's originally how it started to just see characters like myself. Um, Because as much as we can relate to regular sitcom characters in a certain way, Mm -hmm. it's never quite our experience. Um, Because, you know, being an Orthodox Jew is so specific and we have such specific struggles and ways that we go about having relationships, you know? So yeah, that particular storyline, I think, touched a lot of people. Oh, Um, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people had had um, similar experiences where they're working and, you know... Oh, so we're talking specifically the part where they're talking about... Right, exactly, where they're talking about... um, So, you know, the character Ben has to decide whether he stays late, Mm -hmm. you know, and might possibly run into Shabbat or... Um, leave and, and miss a huge work opportunity, um, and that I think a lot of people connected to yeah. that. That was that was really intense. I mean, and I think that's it's so interesting because it's like um, it really brought out this conflict that is like for an Orthodox Jew is just like it's this wall that there's just no way that you can solve it unless yeah. you know and. <laughs> I just I, and just seeing like him tear up and stuff was it was really powerful. Exactly. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad it 
uh, came across that way. Yeah, it was also very personal for me mm. um, because I've definitely dealt with similar mm. issues right. just in my career um, with Shabbat observance. And like you said, it's just this wall. You know, it's not something that's flexible for a lot of people. You know what I loved about that also was that, like, I feel like if I was depicted from, like, a person, if a person made it wasn't orthodox, like, I feel like there would have been more of a consideration of breaking Shabbos, mm. you know, or mm-hmm. they would have, like, actually mm-hmm. done it. Um, and what I loved about that was that he, it, I think it really depicted that religious struggle of like, this is not even, I'm not even, he wasn't even thinking about, about like that, you know, and exactly. I think that's how it'd be for most people that are Orthodox. You I know? think so. Um, I think so too. That's definitely what my experience had been. Um, mm. it never was an option, you know, and I know a lot of people that reached out to us after seeing that episode had mm. very similar, um, experiences where, you know, it was never something they thought about it, but it's still a struggle yeah. um, to right. figure out how to work about it or work other hours, you know, extra long. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think a lot of people related to that. That's really cool. Um, so you said you had some struggles with this, right? Like, Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, so actually, I started out as an actress before I even dabbled in, in directing or writing. Um, I and started, this was before you even, like you were in high school. Yeah, even out. younger. Uh, oh, I started really? acting professionally at like 11 years old. Wow. Um, and yeah, it was something I was completely obsessed with. Hmm. And I would stop at nothing to, you know, follow my dreams. Um So yeah, in high school, particularly, I was living in Los Angeles and auditioning a lot and really pursuing a career in acting. And (laughs) at one point I booked a role um, and it was extremely exciting because, you know, after going on 50 auditions and, you know, you get a lot of rejection. And so getting a yes is a huge deal and it meant everything. And I felt like my life was changing and it was this huge moment for me. Right. Um, And it was this really fun show and I had like a fake dad and mom and it was like this perfect little family (laughs) that nobody ever actually has. Um, (laughs) And you let to tell us who who was or or what it was. Yeah, sure. It was it was a show called Distant Roads. Um, Roads. Yeah, it was on, I think, like Channel 13 at like 3 a.m. But I didn't care. It's still (laughs) it was on TV. Of course. Yeah, that's awesome. And so I remember my mom and I got this like calendar where we had to cross off all the dates I wasn't available Mm -hmm. um, for the next few months. And we just sat there crossing off every Friday and Saturday and like praying that they would just not really notice the correlation or um, just be okay with it. And um, they actually, in the beginning, they were, they were fine with it and they didn't say anything and they worked the schedule around it and, you know, at that point, I thought, ha, ha, look, I did it. You know, um, you can be orthodox and an actor and <laughs> keep Shabbos. And I proved everybody wrong. Um, and then uh, I think I was about 15. So I got to miss school, which was amazing. And we, That's the dream. It's absolutely the dream. Yeah. Um, so we filmed the first two episodes and I totally bonded with my cast family and fell in love with everybody on set. And it was just totally like a dream come true. It was everything I had been dreaming um, about for years since I was eight years old. Um, and then, you know, there was a little bit of a break, went back to school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a couple weeks later, we get a call that they have 
they, they got a new director mm. and he switched the whole schedule around and it was all only on weekends <laughs> um, and holidays. Like actually literally the entire schedule was just Shabbat and holidays. <laughs> um, it was kind of bizarre. Wow. So um, I had to quit slash was kind of fired, um, kind of a combination because I wow. said, you know, I couldn't do it. And it was probably the most painful thing ever at that point in my life. Um, And then to kind of like rub salt in a wound, the the girl they chose to replace me ended up having like this huge career. So for years afterwards, I would see her face everywhere. Um, (laughs) It was just insane. Yeah. Um, I have so many thoughts about this. (laughs) It's so interesting because, you know, it's interesting. I, um, like before I was religious, I, my very limited showbiz experience was Mm -hmm. I was an extra in this movie called The Kingdom. Ooh. And yeah, and um I was like it was actually they needed they needed me quite a bit. And I remember like how crazy the hours were and like sometimes I would be there for like twenty hours and then they wouldn't need me or something and like Fridays and like all these mm-hmm. things. And I just like, you know, it reminds me of like when I think of um Orthodox women who want to sing like in yeah. like professional settings and just these things like I, I, I it's it's hard because you know I feel like we really want to believe that we can do just as much as anyone and and succeed just as much in that world but there are like these roadblocks yeah. that I don't know like I guess my question is like do you consider that to be within that framework uh like just like an impossible thing to deal with or you know, it's funny. When I was first starting out um, and I was still a kid, I, I thought absolutely there are ways around it. If you work hard enough, if you're mm. good enough, they'll change the schedule for you. <laughs> it's workable. And I really firmly believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, and even even if nobody had done it before, I felt like I could be the first one to be successful and then there could be people after me. Yeah. Um, but then... As I really pursued it and had experiences like this, Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't the only one, there was a bunch of similar things that happened, it kind of dawned on me that I wasn't sure about that anymore. Um, And I'm still not quite sure. Like, I feel like there still are ways to be a successful artist, even with these, you know, roadblocks and even with being observant. Mm. Um, But yeah, it might not be in that same way that I originally dreamed of or people originally envisioned of. I think when you're an Orthodox artist, you have to be extra creative. Um, (laughs) you know, um, that's how I see it. So I'm very much, I very much believe that, um, you need to create your own opportunities a lot of the times. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's still difficult. It's still a struggle. I'm not quite sure what the answer is. Yeah, I mean, I guess, um, I guess that's like what's cool about you know this kind of new age of technology where we can create our own mm-hmm. web series, and, <laughs> exactly. Like, make it succeed. I mean, that's so. That's like, is that essentially why you made soon by you? Like, or is it? I, I don't know if I'm kind of jumping ahead, but yeah, no, like, it is. Um, once I had this specific experience, I started, I knew I was never going to give up acting. That was not an option for me. And I was not going to give up my, you know, religion. So, um, it kind of forced me to be, become a creator, um, which now looking back is the best thing that could have happened because I love Uh creating and telling stories and directing and writing. So by being like a creator, you mean, you know, you mean like doing more than being an actress? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Okay. So like a director, a writer. Mm -hmm. 
That's right. Yeah, okay. I don't think I don't know if I hadn't had that experience. I don't know if I would have gone this route. I might have just pursued acting. Yeah. Um, but I love this so much more. I love directing and, and telling my own stories. Um, you know what's so cool about uh, Soon by You? I don't know if this was purposeful, but I, you know, I, I kind of felt when I was watching it that, like, I could, I really felt like Hashem was one of the characters in the story. Oh, wow. You know, be- <laughs> because, well, there's all these things that have to work out for mm. them to be able, like, like just for anyone listening, basically, you know, these char- these characters, um, at the beginning of the first episode, in the first episode, they... Like he happens to sit down with the wrong person, and it happens to be this person he really wants to date, and and then but then they he loses her number, and then and then he you know I'm just repeating I know you mm. know this no, please. <laughs> but and then he uh, he what is it he um what does he get he gets the number again oh because they go on this whole like journey to kind of find it but it was mm-hmm. also through this kind of combination of them putting in the effort but also like serendipity you know. Um, and there's just like all these kinds of things. And like then this his roommate meets this this one person that he really wants to date as well. And I just was like, um, I don't know. Like I guess the reason I'm bringing that up is is it's actually connected to what you were saying of like. So I don't know if it was purposeful or what, but like it really kind of reminds me when you bring that up of like your story in the sense of where things seem to go wrong or seem to not be right or like you sit down with the wrong person, right? And then it leads to this other opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. That seems to be like a theme of the kind of way you work. I don't know if it's yeah, like, uh, I think it is. I think, I think it's a theme of my life in general and yeah. a lot of my work. Um, it's funny because I always was like a big planner and I had all these like plans and goals and very mm-hmm. specific things I would do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would, would always like fight against things when they didn't go my way or when, you know, Things would happen in a different way and opportunities would, you know, um, not not appear or different ones would come. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never liked that. But then at a certain point, I started shifting my thinking where I realized because looking back, I can see, you know, how obvious it was that the right things did come my way. And if I wouldn't have fought mm. so hard against them, right. um, it would have been so much easier. So that's kind of how I'm trying to live now, at least. Um, uh, and I think you're right that that's definitely a big theme in the show, which I didn't even realize. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I really like that, actually. Um, yeah, I think that's that's really... I think you can choose to be as aware of that as you want in life, right. you know? Um, and... I think for these characters, it's definitely true that, you know, I think God is is certainly guiding them. That's so beautiful. I mean, it's so interesting because it reminds me even like, like in tiny ways, I'm sure everyone has this, but like, you know, my own creative journey of like, I was writing for Chabad.org for a while and it was wonderful. It was such a great opportunity, but like the more that I was kind of stretching my wings and trying different random things, the more I was like, you know, getting my stuff rejected by them. And so not, not, it was nothing Mm -hmm. against them, but it just didn't fit them. And then I just, that forced me to create like my own blog. And then that led to Bob Hussin and then that, you know, and it's just like so cool. Like how it's just like you're saying, where we think at the time, like, oh, what, you know, what's the point of all this? Why Mm -hmm. am I going through this? Or what's, you know, Mm -hmm. and Hashem provides a way. Exactly. And so now I think the trick is that at those moments to not get, 
so completely upset at how things right. are going, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the toughest part, oh, really. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. But wouldn't life be so much easier if we were able to see that <laughs> and just kind of be like, okay, there's this obstacle, but it just means something really, something so much better is coming my way. So, yay. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting. It reminds me, like, I remember, like, I had something difficult that happened to me, like, a year ago. And I remember being like, I know Hashem is going to, like, provide me some clarity of why this happened. And, mm. But I was just like, I can't, but I remember just saying, I can't see it. Like, this is yeah. ridiculous. I can't see it. Yeah. And it was literally like three months later. I was like, oh, I got it. Wow. Just wish, you know, that it's like, it's so much easier said than done kind of. You Absolutely. Know? <laughs> and it's so much easier looking back. You know? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh, of course, of course. Um, that's so, that's so great. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of jumping around, but I it's something I really wanted to talk to you about. Sure. So I'm just gonna go for it. Yeah. Jump in. I was, I was like blown away. I don't even have a question. I was just blown away <laughs> by the intro to your article. Okay, so uh, you had written this article for Grok Nation, which yes. is my Bialik site, right? Yes. And it was what was the title of it? it? Was like rejected by rejected by my religious community and Hollywood. How I formed my own path. Right. Yeah. Okay. And the. Like, I was so blown away. I guess, like, I shouldn't have been surprised, but I was blown Mm. away by the intro Mm. where you spoke about, it was your third grade teacher. You wrote wrote that you wanted to be, it was something like your dreams or whatever, and that you wanted to be an actress. Mm -hmm. And then she said, um, you can't do that? Yes. (laughs) Not only did she say that, she gave me my paper back the next day and my words were covered in whiteout. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I, I still remember the feeling of being like completely stunned as this little eight-year-old, like looking down at this paper and, you know, my words were just silenced. Um, wow. and it's, it was so funny because she was my favorite teacher. She was the English teacher and I loved English class and it was just such a weird moment for me. Um, I think, I think I was, I didn't feel like sad I was I think I was more like I remember being very angry and Mm. and kind of like frustrated that she didn't get it so even back then like I never I never bought into any of that um the people who said you couldn't that's so beautiful you know (laughs) when you like dreams are crushed by people like that's like yeah that's so great I mean I could have just said okay and gone and done something else and never you know done what I was made to do um do you feel like you got I'm sorry I didn't mean to no please go ahead do you feel like you got messages like that a lot or was it like I did. Um, mostly early on, I think. Um, at a certain point, I just stopped sharing <laughs> with certain people if I knew that they would have that reaction because yeah. I just didn't want to deal with it. Um, but definitely, you know, authority figures, teachers, um, random strangers <laughs> would just give me their opinion on how impossible it was. Um, and even more than that, more than them like discouraging me, there was just a lot of like bafflement and like confusion they would like tilt their head like what do you mean you want to be in a movie star or mm. you want to work in film um you're a religious girl how does that work it doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> what was there like yeah i guess like i'm curious what the substance of mm-hmm. what they were saying was beyond just like discouragement yeah. you know like what was their reasoning you i know? think i think it was a, a few things i think they felt like it wasn't halakhically possible mm-hmm. um, for reasons of probably modesty um, and Shabbat. And then I think they also just felt like it just was not the right path 
for a young religious woman who should be focused on, you know, wanting to raise a family and maybe having a career on the side um, <clears throat> and not being so out there in the public eye. I think there was a lot of that. Wow. Yeah. So what, what kept you going? What was the, why, why were you different in the sense that you didn't get like crushed by that? Um, well, I think actually some of that comes from um, being an only child and mm. always kind of getting my way <laughs> in certain ways. So I always had this sense of like, of course I'm going to do what I want. You know, <laughs> nobody's going to tell me not to. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I never really took them seriously at all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I did also have a very supportive mother who, um, she's a writer and she's creative and so she gets it. So when she saw that I was serious about it, she was on board and she supported me and, you know, encouraged me despite what others said. Wow. How much do you think that played into it? Like, oh, it's everything. Absolutely. I, I, I wouldn't never be here without her support. Um, like literally every step of the way, even to this day, mm -hmm. every episode that gets made is because of her. Because every time something happens that, um, you know, makes it hard for me to keep going or an obstacle that comes up, she's the first person I speak to. Mm -hmm. And she always knows exactly, you know, how, what to do and how to encourage me. Um, so I totally owe everything to her. Yeah. That's so beautiful. <laughs> I hope she listens to this. I know. Oh, I'm going to make her listen to this. <laughs> she will. <laughs> that's great. Um, that's so cool. I mean, cause I feel like that's a little bit of a model in terms of, it's like a micro model of how, you know, I, I so identified with your story and especially in terms of, you know, this kind of like, it wasn't just a challenge in the Orthodox world, which is, it's very easy to make that like you know, this blanket statement, like the Orthodox world, like, but it was, it was also, you know, the, uh, it was Hollywood, you know, secular mm -hmm. world, like it was also really hard and challenging, yeah. you know? Um, so that I really identified with that, you know, that, that kind of contrast and that difficulty and that tension. And I, um, I guess like, I guess that's like, why I consider the way that you approach and the way your mother approached it even as, as kind of what things that we can emulate ourselves, mm. you know, and that's, and I feel like that's what you've done a little bit with, or not a little bit, a lot, but soon by you. Um, and what I feel like, for example, like I try to do with Hevria and yeah. stuff like that, we provide a situation in which we're like systematizing. Is that a word? I think it's a word. Sure. Right? Why not? <laughs> um, <laughs> systematizing, whatever. Um, like a situation in which we're providing support to others, like, mm -hmm. you know, in yeah. kind of a bigger, like larger, I, yeah, like a, like a bigger way where we have like a bigger audience and that sort of thing. Yeah. I you think, know? I think it's so important to have that, especially as an artist, it's so important to have a support group because you can feel very isolated yeah. in your work. You're so in your head, you know, and you have visions of what you want to create. Right. Um, but it can feel just very isolating sometimes if you don't have people to talk to about it or who encourage you. Um, I think it's vital for everyone. And I think what you're doing is so beautiful in that way because it makes creative people feel like they're not the only one and it encourages them to keep being creative, yeah. you know? Um, and yeah, I, because I mean, how many act, like how many in your life, like did you know any other creative people that wanted to be actors and actresses like in the Orthodox world? Mm -hmm. I'm saying not growing up. 
um, <clears throat> there were virtually zero growing up. I think once, you know, I was in college more, I started meeting people. So, um, so you must have felt so alone. Like. Yeah, absolutely. You do. You do feel very alone. Um, and it makes you like, you know, you, you have friends, but you're always like kind of on the outside a little bit. You look at things a little bit differently. You know, you're, mm. I was always doodling in my, you know, notebook photos of me like winning Oscars and things like that. And, you know, my friends wouldn't necessarily <coughs> get that. Mm. Um, so I think actually to your point of providing support for artists, I think it's very important to provide support for young artists mm. um, before people crush their dreams. <laughs> <laughs> like we got to get in there, you know. Right. Um, <laughs> and I think that's slowly happening. Mm. Um, there's a lot of performing arts camps for girls, not many for boys. Um, but I think there needs to be more just in like schools and in general, mm. you know. Yeah. For the next generation of Jewish artists. Yeah, it's interesting. We had, um, it's not released yet, but we had Amy Gutterson. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. Love and she, her. Yeah. So she has a, you know, she runs a school for mm-hmm. like, cre- like, I guess, I guess it's essentially like a create creative seminary. I don't mm-hmm. know the best way to define it, but, um, you know, it was so interesting to speak to her because, you know, she kind of, sp- we obviously spoke a lot about this, like younger people, like getting them to embrace creativity. And one of the things that was very clear is that um, as much as we can provide these institutions, what's also difficult then is getting families to understand, getting parents to understand the mm-hmm. importance of mm-hmm. it and like that sort of thing as well. Like it's not, you know, support is great. I'm like now I'm kind of, because I'm adding on to what I was saying that like we need to provide support, but there's also like clearly also a shift in, in the way people look at creativity that needs to happen. I guess. Yeah. Absolutely. It's one thing to come from a family of creative people and, and, you know, that's so much easier, but I I can't imagine how much more isolating it would be to be a child who's creative in a family of people who totally don't get it. So you're really not getting that support anywhere. Um, that's kind of a scary thought. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, I think, I think hopefully it's, it's shifting slowly, you know, um, as, more creative people are out there and being successful and showing that you can have a career. You know, I think that's another thing. Parents right. are always worried about like, how will you make money? How will you support <laughs> your family? Um, painting, you know, or doing whatever. Um, and we, it's important to show them that it's very possible. Yeah. Wow. I mean, and what's, I mean, that's, that's what's awesome about like a web series because that is like spreading the word that like mm-hmm. you have this thing where you have actors and camera people and this and like everyone's orthodox. Everyone's exactly, you know, that's yeah. incredible. Most, most of our crew and cast are orthodox Jews. Um, and they all, most of them do this full time. Really? Least, well, at least, you know, my cinematographer does this full time. Wow. He's an orthodox Jew. Shout out to Jared Hurwitz. He's great. <laughs> um, and then, you know, some of the actors, do it full time. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it still is a struggle as it is just being an artist in general, you know, mm-hmm. even if you take out the orthodox aspect, um, right. you know, they call it starving artists for a reason. <laughs> so I guess also being in film, it's a lot of freelance work. And so mm-hmm. it can be tough. That's the truth. Um, but that doesn't mean people shouldn't go for it anyway. You know, that's what I believe anyway. Love it. <laughs> And um, 
I guess uh, it's it's kind of cool because I think also what you're providing by doing a show for Orthodox people, by Orthodox people, is like that you give a situation where you can kind of create that as opposed to like them working on individual outside projects or you're able to kind of create a structure, I guess, by which they're being employed and being mm-hmm. you know, working. With, like, Yeah, absolutely. Know. And I, I hope we can do that even more soon. So like right now, our episodes come out a couple months apart. Um, right. <laughs> and so I'd love for it to become a full-time thing. And so that, that way they can all be employed full-time and be working on this, you know, project together. Uh, that's, I, that's the dream. <laughs> I remember like when we first launched Havri, I remember what me and Matthew... Even before that, actually, way before that, like me and Matthew were talking about, uh, Matthew Roth, we were talking mm-hmm. about, like, man, wouldn't it be awesome to, like, have a Netflix show that's, like, you know, it's like, exactly this, like, Orthodox <laughs> Jews, like, and bi-Orthodox Jews, and, 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 and showing, like, not just showing the lives, but also showing the values, and it's like, you, you did it, it's so cool, <laughs> you know, Thank and you. it's so awesome, like, especially because it's so, like, professionally done, I yeah. mean, that's the other thing, I feel like that you know, which I've mentioned on this podcast a few times is like this need for us to kind of elevate our work, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. And you did that. I mean, that's so cool. Thank you. Yeah. It was very important to me from the beginning that the production value be very high mm. um, because I knew people were going to be looking at it as a Jewish production, right. you know? And a lot of times people will comment like, hey, this is the first Jewish production I've seen that looks legit. Um, <laughs> so yeah. that's good feedback. Um, but yeah, I think it, it brings it to a whole new level, you know? Right. Um, it's so important. I mean, I think, cause you know, one thing that I, I noticed, I, I feel is like, and that I've realized, I think as I've grown as a artist is it's very kind of easy. Like, I don't know. I don't want to like downplay it, but like it is easier to succeed in a sense within the Jew, with the Jewish audience because it's so it's 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 so kind of cohesive and so when something is is doing well it can it can really quickly mm-hmm. like kind of bounce up and take off. Um, whereas like you know obviously when you have more people and a wider like you have a potential for a bigger audience, but you also have to really kind of rise to the mm-hmm. top and, and and a lot more work has exactly. to go into it. We don't you have know. any competition right now right. <laughs> for exactly. another show about Orthodox Jews. How many half-hour yeah. like Netflix-quality <laughs> shows are out there like, yeah. you know, like that? So it's so cool. I mean, it's so, it's so important, I guess, to kind of have that inner motivation to, mm-hmm. to really elevate it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and actually, right now, you know, we do have a really wonderful audience within the Jewish community and mm-hmm. some, you know, who are completely unaffiliated or not Jewish and the goal right now is really to expand and get this out there to people who know nothing about Judaism. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's the ultimate goal. So it's really for two audiences and there, there will be the people who get, you know, some more of the subtleties. Mm-hmm. And then there are people who will be, you know, fascinating for, um, for different reasons, mm-hmm. you know? And so we have like a little bit of an audience right now who really loves the show um, just because, you know, they don't necessarily know anything about Jews or Judaism and they still find it relatable because mm-hmm. I think at its core, it's not about Judaism. It's really just about simple things like the desire for human connection and love and relationships. And those are things that anybody and everyone can relate to. Hmm. It's interesting. Do you like, 
Have you found that challenging to kind to try to bridge that to the, another audience? It is. Yeah. Whenever we're writing, um, we <laughs> always keep in mind like, wait, will they know what davening is? Um, we have to sort of explain that in a way where it's not overt. Mm. Um, but I actually had a conversation with the creator of Srugim before I released the first episode and he gave me really good advice, which was to never try to teach the audience what was happening, to mm. just kind of show um, and let them get most things or not get certain things, but he never, you know, would say, okay, everybody, let's go wash your hands because blah, 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 you know, for challah, we would just, we just show it. And the people who understand what it is, it means something else to them. And the people who don't, you know, it's just interesting. So that's kind of been the model I've been following. Um, but it is kind of tricky to balance having two audiences in mind, right. you know? Right. Totally. Um, but I think so far the feedback has been that it's been pretty successful. So I hope we can continue with that um, and really reach a lot, a lot more people. That's so cool. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, I think that's I think that's like an ideal that a lot of Jewish creatives now are trying to. I kind of like, I feel like it's like the modest Yahoo model. Kind mm, of, you know, exactly. Where, you know, yeah. Being able to be proudly who you are. Yes. But also, and even doing stuff that's completely thematic to, to your beliefs um, mm-hmm. and still somehow kind of attracting another audience, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think it's important for us to all do that as Jewish artists, if we so, if we have that desire, you know, um, because the world doesn't get to see it from our perspective, mm-hmm. you know? So whenever we see Jewish characters on TV, um, I mean, at least for me, it doesn't quite feel authentic. Um, it doesn't feel like people I know. Um, and I think that's something that's missing and I'd love to see more characters written by Orthodox Jews in mainstream media. Do you think, I mean, like, it's interesting cause that's kind of going back to what we were talking about before. Like, do you think, like, do you think it's going to happen mainly from first from the outside kind of like that we have to kind of do our own thing before it gets noticed enough? Mm. Right. Um, I think so. Um, I don't think anybody's going to hand us, you know, a show to do. I think we definitely will have to fight for it and prove mm. its worth first. Um, but I also th- feel like now is really a great time for it. You know, there's all these really successful shows in Israel, Shrugim and Shtisel that have a mainstream audience. And, you know, Shtisel's coming to America. They're doing an adapt- adaptation of that. And I feel like the time is really perfect right now mm. for this kind of thing. Um, we just got to like really fight for it and work hard, um, to make it feel true. Mm. What do you mean by that? Um, meaning I think what was so successful about Shtisel and Srugim was that they were written by Orthodox Jews. Mm. Um, and there's films like that also like fill the void. Um, and the reason I think they were so successful is because even people who, don't aren't from this community you can tell when something is authentic Mm. um and there's just there's something different about it and i think we need more of that we have so much of it in israel i think we need more of that here in america yeah i mean i feel like though in in israel it's easier to pull that off oh for sure yeah because obviously they're all mainly jews that are the audience yeah there's some connection to it right like yeah um I'm always like surprised when I go to Israel how much they know about Orthodox culture, mm-hmm. like no matter mm-hmm. what their background is. Um, yeah, 
I do think, though, a lot of their work is being consumed by English-speaking audiences. So, um, yeah, I mean, Rama Burstein's newest film was just premiered at Tribeca. Oh, yeah, what is that? What's it Um, called? It's called The Wedding Plan. I think they're literally advertising on our site now. That's really? So cool. Yeah. I I'm dying so to see it. Yeah, it looks so good. <laughs> it looks good. so great. Amazing. I'm such okay. a huge Rama fan. Um, <laughs> and even Surgim, like that was picked up on by Hulu and it garnered like a total... That was on Hulu? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Hulu, it was on Hulu for a while. Um, it might even still be there. So instead of like consuming all of their work, which I think is great, but like we should be creating our own also. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess, I mean, it's kind of interesting because you mentioned, like, we should also be on mainstream outlets or we should be part of, like, my point being that, so right now it seems like, and it's great, like, what we're doing is we're building this world of, like, we're telling the orthodox story through media and, like, all these things. Um, but we're still not integrated in the sense of, like, where there will be an orthodox writer writing for, I mean, there might be, but, like, in, but they're not necessarily writing people that would represent like the Orthodox mm-hmm. world, right. you know, and that sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah. So. I think that's the next step wow. that I see at least. Yeah. Is that something you want to do one day or? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the goal with this show even is to pitch it to a larger network or online media platform, um, wow. as a pilot and get it out there or create another show, uh, in a similar vein. That's so cool. Um, so what do you, what do you, how is it, um, going for you in terms of like becoming a director and, mm-hmm. and all these things that do you, are you, you said that you've enjoyed it, right? Yeah, I love yeah. it. Um, I absolutely love directing it. It's funny because I know I spoke about, you know, being an actor as, as a young child, but I, I realized that I also was always really <laughs> was a director. I would, you know, gather friends and, and kind of boss them around and tell them what to do and <laughs> yeah. my mom would film us. Um, so it's definitely something that comes natural to me. Wow. And it's so incredible to have this vision in your head. And because I also, you know, write on the show, right. um, to have this vision and then you tra- transfer it to, you know, paper and it's it's there in the words mm-hmm. and then to take that and it comes alive mm-hmm. and it's the most incredible thing. So you have like the first step, which is seeing it happen on set. And that's amazing. But then, like, the ultimate step, which is sitting in the audience and seeing it up on the big screen and yeah. looking at something that was just a thought in your mind, and there it is out there, and people are watching it. It's kind of magical. Um, mm. And that's that's what I love so much about it, you know, is, like, sharing your stories and letting people see what you see. Um, so, yeah, I think I definitely... Can you imagine... If you had stayed in that like job, like that mm. other, if you like, yeah. you wouldn't be doing. This. I know. It's like you're. It's crazy. It's so crazy. I mean, it's so cool because like, it's yeah. I mean, like you, you're not only are you, kind of, affecting the Orthodox world in a way you wouldn't have, but like, you're, you found like a whole new artistic form through that. Yeah. It's so cool. I know. It's crazy to think <laughs> about. Um, it's crazy to think about, you know, like what we were saying before, the most devastating thing that ever happened to me out of that came the most incredible thing in my entire life. Soon by you is like my life. It's my world. It's everything. It's mm. what I think about and talk about all day um, and work on. And it brings me so much joy. Um, and I can't imagine my life without it. I mean, 
we released episode one just about a year ago this month. Mm. Um, and I can't imagine already, like, I don't even remember who I was before it, <laughs> you know? So it's pretty wild to think about how it all came about. And even besides for that, you know, experience, there were so many roadblocks in the way of just creating the show and finding, having it find its place and the funding and so many little things that, you know, every single step was a struggle, but it also made me stronger and it enhanced the project in general. Mm. Um, so it's pretty incredible to think about. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, so what's like the near term like plans as well? Like, are you just releasing more episodes, um, and, and that sort of thing? Or like, is there an arc that you're planning on ending it on or Mm -hmm. anything like that? So our plan is to have a first season of five episodes. Oh, okay. So episode four is about to be released. (laughs) And then we're writing episode five. Wow. Um, Yeah, I'm very excited about that one. And then I'm kind of going to take a little pause, see where we're at, and either keep going as a web series or take some time and work on pitching it. Um, Maybe both. I'm not not exactly sure. I know I do want to keep going in some way or another. Um, but I mean, I also have a lot of other projects that have been per- percolating and that I want to pursue. Oh, yeah. yeah, I really I want to direct a feature. I want to. I'm writing something now, um, and that's been on my mind a lot too. So there's so many things I want to do, kind of at the same time. So I guess we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but I would love for the show to continue. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. That's cool. It's like you said, it's like the right time. Like you're like this to come up with a feature film like that. Yeah. Would be amazing. I know. Are you planning on doing it like the same, like with Orthodox crew and cast, like that sort of thing? I would love to. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I I would love to support Orthodox artists as much as I can. Um, Even specifically, I I really like hiring Orthodox women um, in general, because I feel like, you know, Orthodox people sometimes have trouble in the industry and then women also have trouble. Um, so I love, I I mean, like my ideal would be like an all female Orthodox crew. Um, one day, (laughs) how powerful would that be? And you could do a musical. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Um, yeah, that's, that's one of the, one of the dreams. Wow. That's really cool. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's so interesting. Cause like, that's like a whole topic in and of itself. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I remember I saw an ad, like I see them all the time, like these ads, um, in Crown Heights of like these productions, like mm. by musicals yes. like, put on by like, plays, you know? Um, and I, um, I guess I always have that, you know, it's like I mentioned at the beginning of the, po- the podcast, I have, I always have this like kind of contrasting feelings. Like the one hand I'm so, it's like so awesome. And I think. I'm actually amazed, like, at how much creativity is in the, specifically among women in the Orthodox world. Like, yeah. it's just unbelievable. And I think it's partly, it's partly because, um, I'm sure there's a million reasons, but I think it's cool because it seems to be more, like, really flourishing among women. And, like, for example, like, Hebrea, like, we, I always joke with uh, Matthew that we have to, like, do affirmative action for men because <laughs> it's, like, very hard to recruit men for Hebrea, like, if, you know, and so it's, like, a, that's a whole other topic. But I think, but my point being that, so I have these contrasting feelings of, like, wow, there's, like, this creativity that's flourishing. But I always, I always am, like, kind of sad that it feels like it's in this bubble of, like, and, mm. but it, it makes sense that it partly would work like that. But it is, it's also hard. Like, it's hard for women, I, I imagine. Like, yeah. 
that they can't, especially something with singing, but mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. just in general, you know, and, and that there are, you know, these issues of tzniyas for some women yeah. so, and for the women themselves, they feel like that, you know. Absolutely. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. I'm really glad I can't sing um, <laughs> because <laughs> that would be very difficult. Um, right. I work, I, I've worked with a religious singer, Shane Tellis, who's super talented and um, she's had opportunities to, you know, work in the industry and mm-hmm. she's turned them down similar in the way that I turn things down for Shabbos, but she turned them down because she performs only for women. Yeah. Um, and so I think I, I still work with her and I work with other um, female artists and a lot of them, it's like this two kind of thoughts where on one hand it feels very much like, um, they have half an audience, you know, like for half of the people in the world, they can't perform. Um, and on the other hand, there's something very beautiful and powerful of like performing and being creative in an all women environment. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's like both of those, you know, and I don't know how I would deal with it if, if I could sing. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's really difficult. Have you heard of uh, Bulletproof Stockings? Sure. Yeah, no, yeah. they're pearl, but right. like... Right, love them. It's it's interesting because I felt like it, it, they kind of remind me of that idea you said that to be an Orthodox artist, you have to be m- more creative, kind of, mm-hmm. you know? And so yes. they really did that. Like, they, did. they really... They showed how it's possible to flourish mm-hmm. in that exactly. scenario, you know? While being like, totally halakhically observant. Exactly. So they killed it. Right. I mean... Not only that, they turned it into like a... Feminist like, movement, exactly, almost. Yeah. Exactly. It's so cool. Like, and and it's so fascinating. It really became this thing where, yeah, you'd see on the news like mm-hmm. a story about Bulletproof how all these women went there and they were like, "Wow, I never thought it would be like you're describing like what's so empowering and yeah. so powerful." And that's really cool. I think um, so. I think so. Yeah, but I think it's still the structure is still hard, you mm-hmm. know, to deal with. I guess. Absolutely. Like I'm saying, those are examples and they're great, but. Um, building an infrastructure that can help support them is so important, I think. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I've also worked with um, one of my mentors is, is Robin Garbos, who created a lot of these mm-hmm. um, films for women audiences. And mm-hmm. she, all her films are completely professional and, and really high production value. Um, and it's a similar thing. You know, it's it's very similar to what Bulletproof Stockings did where mm-hmm. she, her film has been in film festivals and, and all kinds of women have watched it, um, but there's a limit, you know, mm. so it's, it's a struggle. Um, yeah, I'm glad I'm not into musicals. <laughs> I know I keep saying that, but like with Soon By You, it's, it's so much easier because anybody mm. can watch it and, you know, we're just acting, um, even though I'm sure there are people who say that even that is not okay and you know there have been people who say you, that you get some uh pushback <laughs> um a little bit not so much anymore oh, yeah. um <laughs> but there are people who who do say some things like um yeah i remember there's actually someone i dated who said something like wait but you're gonna be like seen you're gonna be like like people are gonna see you 
<laughs> and like, God what forbid. Are you, what are you talking about? What do you mean? Like people see me all the time. Um, <laughs> but like he meant like you're going to be public and people are going to watch it. And um, yeah, <laughs> that ended pretty quickly. Um, That's so funny. But yeah, It's like there's... so meta. It's like a, on a date talking about, about you. <laughs> so funny. Exactly. Yeah. It does happen a lot. Um, yeah. So I guess everybody just has their own comfort level with that sort of thing. Right. Well, I think the fact that, you know, I feel like if you had done this a few years ago, you might have gotten a lot more pushback, you know. And I think that's that's a, such a testament to how much mm. things are changing yeah. like, so quickly. Yeah. You know. I know. I agree. It's it's wonderful. Mostly now, people, even like extremely ultra-Orthodox people who have seen the show, they're so supportive. They love it. Mm. Um, and I, I rarely get that kind of negative feedback anymore. So even like in the past year, it's been shifting. Mm. So who knows where we'll be in five years. (laughs) Do you worry about like um, touching on sensitive topics or sensitive ways of bringing out, like, you know what I'm saying? Like controversial things. Yeah. Because I think right now it's such a beautiful story, but it's not like God hasn't had to address things that are too intense, maybe like, you know. Exactly. Um, Not that you have to. I'm just like, it's something that might come up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's something I do think about a lot. And it's something that Mm. I discuss with my producers and writers um, about how much we should touch on those things. So I think one of the... One of the things we talk about a lot is is the fact that the show is primarily a comedy. So mm. we don't want to get too heavy with anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, we want it to be authentic. And people really do go through issues and there are struggles mm. in certain areas and it's um, not also PG. So we're still figuring out how to portray that and how to balance that. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of people ask, are we going to deal with the topic of Shomer Nagia in the show? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think... We in episode four we do a little bit, um, and then who knows? I mean, I think it's something very interesting and important to explore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the same time, like every day, I go out and and uh, I live in Passaic, New Jersey, and so mm. um, a lot of people come up to me and say they love the show and they're very religious and they watch with their families <laughs> and you know these really young girls love the show. So it's it's like we have this very wide audience and we're trying to kind of cater to all of them. Um, and so they kind of want different things in that regard. Mm-hmm. So we're sort of trying to be in the middle somewhere. Um, but at a certain point, we may choose one of the extremes a little bit more. Wow. Yeah. It's so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you look like nervous just like talking about it. <laughs> it's understandable. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that's cool. Well, I mean... Yeah, I think that's it's cool that you're even you know kind of approaching that because I think that's tough, especially once you build that audience and, and everything, and they kind of right. can expect things or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. I do think though, um, once we hopefully get the show on a different platform, we'll have a lot more freedom with that. Right. Um, right. And it'll be important on that hmm. platform to explore these things more. Hmm. You know. That's so cool. I'm kind of saving some of those storylines. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's cool. What's interesting is then you also like, and this is like the tension, right, between like the secular and orthodox world. That then, when if you have like a more a wider audience, and you also have to be careful of like that they don't, you know, or at least that it can happen. I guess I don't know if you have to be careful about like where people are like, oh, this thing about orthodox Jews or that thing, you know, oh, this is like showing a, you know, when you show like problems in the community or mm-hmm. something like that, that it's like depicting them, you know, 
Yeah. It's just, I, this is why I like, I try to just block out the audience. That's my right. <laughs> strategy. You know, but I, I like know that. <laughs> I really like that, actually. Hmm. I'm starting to rethink the way I go about this. I'm going to in trouble. <laughs> but I mean, I think it's also easier when it's just like one person writing, sure. like, and it's just like an essay and just throw it out there. It's supposed to like you are like building this thing. You have all these right. people working together, and exactly, and mm. we don't want them to stop watching. <laughs> right, you know? that's true. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's interesting as a creator and as an artist in general. Like, how much do you think about your audience when right. you make yeah. work, when you create something? It's the um, classic uh, question. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> just shaking your head. Yeah. Uh, I'm just putting it out there. I feel like that's the classic answer. Like, who the hell knows? Yeah, you know, we try. Exactly. I think what I'm realizing from actually doing these podcasts, we talk about it all the time. And I think the thing that I'm starting to come to, I don't know if it's like final, but I feel like I just it's just everyone has different mm-hmm. standards. Like, I think, yeah. you know, because I, I want to, like, I try stand up like quite a bit. I've tried doing it. And I, um, like, I realized when I do that, like, it's even different in the form. Like, when I do stand-up, I'm, like, obsessed with what the audience mm. thinks. Partly because, like, if you don't... Sure. Because it's, like, a biological response. Like, if people aren't <laughs> laughing, then, you know, it's, like, performance art or something. It's not... <laughs> right. <laughs> where no you need one, those laughs. Exactly. Yeah. Like, so it's, like, the, it's completely audience-based. But but then, like, you know, we had this interview with Mandy Pellin, and he was saying how, with him, he's, like, if people don't laugh... And he thinks a joke is funny. He doesn't care. He like keeps really? working on it. That's wow. how he's like a real comedian. Because <laughs> he knows like it's funny. He's like, it's their problem. They don't get it. And I'll find the right way to say it. You know? And I think that's yeah. like so beautiful. It kind of shows how we can all have these, you know. I think that's why there's no easy answer because mm-hmm. everyone has their own answer, you know? Okay. And is it like, and I think I kind of realized that, is it so bad when some people are obsessed with the audience? I don't think it's the end of the world. Like, I think it just kind of depends on what you're trying to do. And, exactly. You know. And a lot of times when people do get upset at something, it just starts a conversation, which right. is great. Right. Um, sometimes you kind of want to stir them up a little bit. <laughs> Tell me about it. Right. <laughs> I know you know that well. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, I get it. I mean, that's so cool because it's... Uh, it's fun. I feel like a lot of creators, they kind of have that urge, you know? They want to, like, especially when you have an audience or whatever, you want to, like, shake mm-hmm. the nestle, but you want to get people talking. It's, yeah. you know, like, why am I doing this even? Like, I want to make a difference. You know, I want to exactly. affect people. Yep. So. You have, like, uh, opportunities. Some people might say a responsibility to mm-hmm. talk about things other people don't want to talk about. You know? I think so. Yeah. I definitely think that's true. I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Done. There we go. (laughs) Um, Maybe we'll, uh, like, is there anything else you want to share? Or do you want to, like, just tell us where we can find you on Facebook, YouTube, of course? Sure. Yeah, Yeah, you can definitely find the first three, possibly four, depending on when you're listening to this, um, episodes on YouTube. Just search Soon By You. We also have a website, soonbyyou.com, and there's all lots of great info on there. And then, yeah, follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And also, depending on when you're listening to this, we have a premiere party on May 24th, which is going to be very exciting. Um, The whole cast is going to be there. We're going to do a really fun Q&A with them and watch the episode on the big screen and be with me when I experience that moment, seeing my vision up there. It's going (laughs) to be very emotional. (laughs) Oh, man. It's beautiful. Where uh, where can people find out about that? Um, That's All that info is on soonbyyou.com. Yeah. Get your tickets. Ooh, and um, you can use the code WALDEN 
for a mm. discount. Walden. Yes. I know that reference. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. I love that you know that. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. There we go. That's so cool. All right. Well, it's great. I hope everyone checks it out. Obviously, if you follow it, then now you know that like there's going to be controversial things coming, so you got to mm-hmm. follow it. You know? And I don't care what you think. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little. I don't know. Just a I'm not sure. Myself. We'll see. <laughs> exactly. We'll figure it out. We'll find out. But you know, follow and we'll find out. Anyway, uh, thank you so much, Leah. It was so great to have you. Thank and you. Yeah. And, uh, this I can't, was wonderful. Yeah. And I can't wait to see what you create in the future. Thank you so much. Right back at you. <laughs> thank you for listening to Hivria Cast. I'm Aladna Harai. If you'd like to hear more and read more of our work, you can follow us by going to hevria.com or facebook.com slash hevriamag. We've been recording at the Kalal Studios in New York City, and the music that you're hearing is Voice Lessons by Darshan. Thank you so much. We look forward to seeing and hearing from you again. Yeah.